Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. We are back with another guest this week, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Chuck, you said this man is a is a hard to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. So so Pat and I, we, we go way back. We go back to high school. Um, I think he was like, what, a grade or two ahead of me. And I looked up to him a lot. Uh, he scared the shit out of me a few times. Well, you're short, Maybe so you look up to him. Lightly threatened me. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, I heeded that and heeded that advice. And, you know, um, we remain in touch for, I guess, till, yeah, till now. Till today. I mean, we've been in He's touch the whole time, you know. But he uh, he joined the Marine Corps. Um, he went to the wing, um, did some cool stuff there, went to um, the drill field, became a scary ass drill instructor. And like that was his goal, I believe, the whole time, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, from hearing from other people and himself, you know. He wanted to be a drill instructor and boy, I'm glad I was not his fucking um, bitch because that would have been some scary <laughs> shit. Uh, Cause uh, uh, can't tell. Recruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Recruit. You can't. <laughs> recruit. Well, I mean, you got a little um, taste of it when he was an upperclassman. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Kind of, Yeah. He'd be scared. I'd be scared. Of the shit. Yeah, he's scary. And anyways, don't let that beard fool you. He's got a fucking yeah. chisel jawline. Scary as shit. You can cut fucking glass on it. Anyways. <laughs> He then left, started his own business where he sells guns and shit, and oh, yeah. he also fights in the ring. Yes, sir. Oh. That sounds pretty good introduction, yeah. bro. I appreciate that one. Hey, you're welcome. Well, welcome to the show, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing good today, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. You do have a nice beard, but I mean, I, I can only imagine what the DI in you would have said to anyone who showed up with that. I'm, I'm, I'm slacking, man. Let me just put it that way. Hey, we're we're out now. We don't have to. Like, I know. I just I just told myself that maybe a month ago, <laughs> two right. months ago. <laughs> I'm know, surprised. We did our time shaving and getting our haircut and all that stuff. We 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 can enjoy the good life. You, you should oh. see. I got like a rat tail going on, bro. You even want to know? <laughs> got some good hockey. Oh, you look you look like a hockey player getting ready to go into the playoffs. You know, you got the long hair, you got the beard. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Andre Arlowski, that's what everybody calls me. <laughs> I can see that too. I can see that. Too. I can definitely see that. Yeah. So, yeah. Wh- why don't you tell us a little bit? Obviously, uh, Chuck told us you guys went to high school together. So, why don't you kind of walk us through how you ended up in the Marine Corps and uh, uh, what that journey was like? Uh, well, that's a that's a easy story right there. Um, I ended up in the Marine Corps being influenced by a couple of our buddies mutual buddies lauren james yeah, and chris, chris chris james um they're they're brothers from a different mother they grew up together in the same household and those guys joined right out of high school together mm-hmm. and uh I, I remember i went to both their graduations and it just fucking blew me away man seeing the guys that i knew that were so goofy looked all locked on and squared away and just talking to them after during family day it was just like it really changed my life, man. It literally made me decide to go ahead and follow in their, their footpaths for sure. Just seeing the difference in who they were before and who they were after. Yeah. And in, in, even in Chuck knows, man, those two guys that themselves are just outstanding individuals. And, uh, but, but even still the, the change that they, that occurred in them was like ridiculous, you know? So especially just, Chris. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Especially Chris. And, yeah. and, 
Chris nowadays, I mean, he's got a family, you know, he's got a wife, two kids, and he's a, a police detective. He's that guy's been killing it since since that day, you know, really. Oh, yeah. he, he has. So you saw their their uh, squared awayness and uh, you said that's for me. Yeah, not only was seeing them helpful, but personally in my in my life at that time, um, I was fucking up, man. Like I was, you know, smoking a lot of weed, drinking a lot, missing a lot of classes, not showing up to basketball practice, <laughs> just stupid shit. <laughs> so literally, I, I'll never forget this on the off ramp to go to Marine Corps Recruit Depot to watch. Uh, I believe it was Lauren's graduation. He was the second one to graduate because he got sick and got held back. Right. Um, I remembered halfway down the uh, the old town uh, exit that I had a bunch of weed in my um, <laughs> weed in my glove box. <laughs> I, had, I had to ditch it on the freeway just before I got to the gate with all the Marines. <laughs> I was fucking scared. <laughs> but yeah, that last kinda, minute. yeah, that woke me up a little bit. Like, what are you doing, bro? You're about to get hemmed up by the Marine Corps. And you don't even know him yet. You know, Oh, dude, what, what were you thinking? Bringing weed? <laughs> I was probably stoned from the ride down there, not not even considering it. I don't know, man. So you had that moment of clarity where you went, "Oh shit, I got weed on me." They probably yeah. won't. Yeah. Yep, I had weed, and I ha- I remember I had a brand new unopened bottle of Bacardi One Fifty One behind my seat, so that all got tossed out the window. Boy, <laughs> 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 I tossed. I had to. I had it, to. So so that's, that's an interesting. Hilarious. So you start that way. And it makes such a huge impression on you that you're like, no, this is for me. What specifically do you think about it? Like, because how do you go from, okay, I want to drink Bacardi and smoke some weed and forget I have some as I'm driving to the front gate at a military installation. Yeah. What, what specifically about it is you're looking at these guys that are, that you knew in high school that are coming out of this basic training as Marines. And then you said, was it like, man, I'm fucking up. I need that. Or was it like, dude, that shit's badass. I'm going to go do that. I don't care if I have to quit smoking weed. Uh, most, mostly I'm fucking up, man. You know, I had a, my, yeah. my father, my father growing up was a good example of what not to do a lot of the time. So that mm-hmm. really impacted me. And I knew that joining the military would straighten my ass out right away yeah. and almost like do the work for me, you know? So that was a big part of it. Like I, I can't keep going down this path. I'm doing all this shit, fucking up. I need to change my life and do it immediately. And no looking back. But it sounds like you didn't have that at home, right? No, no, actually the, the, uh, my grandparents raised me. And when I graduated high school, they immediately moved out here, which I live now to Lake Havasu city. And okay. hmm. so, uh, Chuck knows Matt Jones. He's another good buddy of ours. He's the guy that mm-hmm. I ended up joining the Marine Corps with just a few months after our buddies, Lauren and Chris mm-hmm. and uh, his parents took me in like their own son for a few months while I was attempting to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for a few months I got to live with them and then just kind of made the decision from there. And so the Marine Corps basically modeled that behavior for you and changed your behavior. I mean, the Marine Corps changes you inherently yeah. the military and in, in changes you inherently, you know, to what degree yeah. I think it depends on, how you how screwed up you were going in number one and number two what branch you have selected because yeah not yeah. all not all basic training is created equal <laughs> no it's not no we actually so my boy matt who i live with his dad had served in uh the navy 
the Air Force, and he was part of the Air National Guard at the time. So extremely experienced small arms instructor. Uh, Clay Jones is a bad motherfucker, man. And just all the shit he would teach us, it rubbed off on us. So we considered some of those options. And then one day at uh, Subway, I believe we were, uh, on a Tuesday or something, we just looked at each other like, no, why the fuck would we do that? We got to we gotta, we gotta at least do what Lauren and Chris did. You know, yeah. so we we chose the uh, chosen Marine Corps right there. We're not pussies. Like, yeah, we're not. We don't want to be the pussies in the group. <laughs> we'll never live that shit down. Right. <laughs> never live that down. <laughs> a little bit of peer pressure. Yeah, a little bit of peer pressure for sure, man. I'm glad just they did bit. it. But you know what? There, people, people just are so quick to say peer pressure as a negative term. But there's positive peer pressure, right? Oh yeah. Sure. I mean, boot camp is a prime example of positive peer pressure, which is if you don't square yourself away, I'm going to punish everyone. Yes. And so yeah. everyone says, you better square yourself away. Blank, blanket punishment. <laughs> right. But you know what, Pat? You loved that shit since the high school. I mean, when you came back from boot camp, you were, I, I remember speaking to you, asking you advice and things like that. And then I spoke to you, I think, right before I went to SOI or not SOI. Um, yeah, School of Infantry for fucking MCT. And you were like, Telling me like, hey, this is what to expect, yada yada yada. And then you were talking about how, you know, you wanted to be a drill instructor. And I, you, th- I think you, you were one of those crazy dudes in in, in boot camp um, that probably thrived off the screaming and the yelling. You're like, fuck yeah, this is what get my dick hard, dude. I love this. Yeah. Shit. Like, <laughs> oh this yeah. Is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely did thrive off that shit. I was one of the louder recruits. I think, I think I got promoted to squad leader, then eventually guide, and then fired from guide back to squad leader because i wasn't cussing and yelling enough <laughs> so after that i started cussing and yelling more man damn they knew what they were doing man it's all mind games <laughs> it's a very well planned mind game yeah a lot of smoke and mirrors man oh yeah for sure well that's why i always tell people you know if you really think that you are the absolute worst person that they've ever seen it doesn't matter how many times you've they've told they, they've said that you're like oh my god i really must be the worst no you're not the worst person they've ever seen. There no. is a worst person that they've ever seen. Yeah. Chances are you're not it. Now you play yeah. How many, how many um, because I've always been wanting to ask a drone instructor and I've never really met one. Obviously, you are, and I should have asked you before, but how many recruit classes or whatever get investigated by NCIS? Um, is that kind of smoke and mirror type of thing? Like we're like, oh fuck, we're being investigated. Let's see who cracks and let's see who squeals on some shit. Or no, especially like nowadays, it. you got to realize, man. I left the recruit depot and EAS back in 2014. Uh, so I, back then, not now. Yeah, now I I can only imagine. But back then, even still, from from the time I was a recruit, which I graduated boot uh, boot camp in uh, February of 2006. And I went to DI school and graduated DI school September of 2011. So it was only like five short years. And, and even in those five years, the difference of what I remember them putting us through as recruits versus what I was allowed to do as a drill instructor was pretty fucking significant. Like okay. there was definitely an increase in that type of shit. So although there were a lot of investigations, like uh, when I was a chief drill instructor and I went to I got sent to Quantico by the base general to be part of like a rewriting the mentorship order and shit. They selected, you know, different staff and seals and officers from all at the core and blew us out to Quantico to do this shit. But while I was gone, one of my teams got alligated on by a recruit. And throughout that whole shysty fucking investigation, 
you know, I ended up getting an award taken away from me. I had won a meritorious gunner or I had won a uh, Marine of the or Drill Instructor of the Year board. And there was supposed to be a follow on award given. And I didn't get that because of these allegations, you know, from from whatever my team did to this kid. So although there were a lot of investigations going on, it wasn't as common as you think, because like, for instance, me as a chief drill instructor, I cracked, I cracked the fucking whip on my hats and really was there to look out for them. Like, I don't train recruits as a chief. I hardly even, you know, need to yell at all. It's just it's all about taking care of and training the drill instructors. So it wasn't as it wasn't as common, but it happened for sure. OK, I was going to say, because we went through some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got arm broken and fucking yeah, craziness. So Let's get into the DI thing, because I think that's super, super interesting. And there's probably a lot of people who, like Chuck, are like, I've always wanted to ask a DI this. So let's, <laughs> let's just start with, so you joined the Marine Corps, but you're not a DI right out of the gate. So tell us, how, tell us a little bit about your journey to become a DI. And obviously, when you were going through basic, if, if you know, playing around with the DIs and getting screamed and yelled at like that was was getting you off then is that when you decided that i want to do that shit yeah you just actually. watched full metal jacket uh, no <laughs> i hadn't seen that movie till after i graduated to be honest but uh okay. <laughs> yeah um no i remember in recruit training as we were about to step off in our chucks for family day to go meet our families uh our experienced drill instructor which we would call the edi or the j uh sergeant butler um he asked me, he's like, so Boffman, what do you, what do you, what are you going to be doing in four years? And I literally looked that man in the face and replied that I was going to be a sergeant and I was going to be a drill instructor. And he fucking kind of laughed and told me I was a piece of shit, you know, whatever, whatever he wanted to say to right, me at the time. Yeah. And I, I think I did him one better because I got promoted to staff sergeant, uh, like two weeks before I graduated DI school. So I got to wow. kind of rub that in a little bit. <laughs> did you run into him you later? See him again? I never seen him again. And you know what, to be honest, man, um, I was told by several sources he was actually killed. Uh, he was killed on the side of the road. He became a uh, Vermont, I want to say, a Virginia state trooper, and he was struck by a vehicle, man. So uh, rest What's in peace. Uh, drill instructor Sergeant Matthew uh, J. Butler, dude, he was a fucking monster, bro. He was absolutely a maniac and I thank to this day that guy for a lot of what he instilled in me because I sure as fuck brought it to the drill field uh, when I came back as a Lima company hat. He was a Mike company hat. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's a bad dude, man. I mean, I still have nightmares of that guy, bro. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm looking up to see if we can figure out who that is because that's that would be interesting. Um, but so you so you decided early on you wanted to be a drill instructor. Uh, and then, um, you, what do you do right out of basic? So I signed up, uh, for a five-year contract as an avionics electrician. And what I did was, you, you know, a bunch of different schools. So right out, right out of, uh, recruit training in MCRD San Diego, I went to, um, Pendleton to do Marine combat training. And then from Marine combat training, I was flown out to Pensacola, Florida, and that's part of the aviation training. And what I learned there was how to do basic avionics. You know, basically an electrician on planes is, is what I was, um, or electrical engineer. And then from there, they send you, they sent me to Whidbey Island, Washington State, which is where I learned how to do my job, but on my specific platform, which was an EA6B Prowler. 
Yeah, we interviewed uh, some guys who were stationed up at Whidbey. Yeah, yeah, yeah that okay. actually, our buddy Matt Jones was stationed up there at the same time he was doing security forces before he got to uh, Camp Lejeune. But uh, so I did, I did the C school, which is in Whidbey Island, Washington State, and that was about seven months school. And then from there, I went to the fleet, the operating forces out in Cherry Point, North Carolina, um, mm-hmm. and that got there about I think February, March of two thousand and seven, I'd say. So that's started my started my fleet career as an avionics electrician, uh, electrician, working on EA6B prowlers. Um, within that time, I did quite a bit. I uh, deployed three times, went to uh, Iraq, al-Assad twice, Bagram Airfield once, um, did martial arts courses, did Sarge's course, did all those types of PME schools and all that, and then re-enlisted in Afghanistan as a staff select for the drill field um i was about maybe 80 percent of the way done with a meset package to become an officer and i fucking it clicked in my brain what i really should be doing is becoming a drill instructor because then later down the line i could always become a become an officer but i couldn't do the other way around i couldn't become an officer then go back to becoming a drill instructor. Right. right exactly you have to you can't put the car before the horse that makes sense if you if you really want to be a di and put that you know checkbox on your resume then it makes sense that you would have to do that first. So you decided to delay the officer route and go. So how does that work? Do you, is there an audition process? Is there an application process? I, I imagine being a DA, DI is not just something that people hand out. Um, there, there's a little bit of a screening process, but it's, it's not as rigorous. Um, I believe it mostly has to do with boat spaces and being able to yeah. get a seat at the school, essentially. So, um, but again, man, just like Charlie said, is most people in my unit knew where the fuck I was headed, man. They knew, they knew what I wanted. So, uh, shout out to Sergeant Christian Jones. That guy actually lives up in Reno now. He's since EAS, but that guy, he, he did some work. He was our CRS, our career, uh, retention specialist. And Lou, I haven't said some of these words in like 10 fucking years. You realize that this shit's all coming back, but he was our, you spit it out (laughs) and you're like, Oh shit. I know how to say that. Yeah, right. He, he's our CRS, and he went to boot for me to uh, to just get it all handled in a timely manner after our Afghanistan rotation and made it happen. And actually, shout out to John Self. He was one of my Marines. He was a corporal under my charge. Actually, he got promoted to sergeant, and uh, he gave up his boat space for reenlistment to let me have it so that I could go be a DI. So thank you for, oh, for that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because we used to bump heads, man. He was always he's always right there, you know. He he was a fucking he was a Marine. He was gung ho and he was always if he could challenge something and do it better, you'd want to know about it. So it was just a big shock, man. I really appreciated it. And that yeah. means a lot because during the time that we enlisted, there was um uh that the Marine Corps I think doubled. It went from two hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand to like four hundred and four hundred fifty thousand. Uh, Marines, and then in around 2010, they started doing the reduction of force. Once Obama came into office, because that was his big thing, he wanted to fucking pull out of Iraq and then try to get out of Afghanistan. And so he started their reduction of force, and dudes were literally getting kicked the fuck out from staff because they didn't promote to gunny, and yeah, dudes were I'm crying. Right. Yeah, dudes were crying at on main side and so that is like a big fucking thing and people might be in that like oh it's not that bad like we're you know people getting promoted left and right if you really want to stay in you stay in if you don't you get out 
but mm-hmm. at that time always. it was so fucking strict where you literally had to get 2a on your shit so you could re-enlist and if there was enough boat spaces you would then have to jump into that to get promoted and to stay yep. in and to fucking just so you could stay in the core for a career or do whatever else you wanted to do and if that wasn't there and you didn't get that package or whatever they would just be like sorry you're gone so that is a big fucking thing that's awesome it was man and to summarize everything you just said it was an absolute clusterfuck i remember that shit man it, there i'll say this there were definitely uh marines that were clogging up the system that got booted that that was kind of nice to see happen uh, but at the same time there was good marines that just hadn't been able to get promoted and they kept taking a pee and they got kicked out you know mm-hmm. well, that's the tough part right because you understand that when there are people that are just lollygagging and resting on their laurels and they need to make room because yeah. of stale i get that but an unfortunate casualty of that is the person who it takes a little bit longer or has to try a little bit harder to, to advance and maybe they need, you know, some extra time to make it up the promotional ladder. So it's, it's all a trade-off, but I could see what you're saying is why when you've got so many people that are going in so many different directions, it would be a nightmare. Logistically. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to let some of them weed themselves out, but on the other hand, you're getting buddies, you know, that are getting forced out. It's sad. And all, and all they've done is dedicated their time to the Marine Corps. That's it. Well, I mean, we we just finished a two-part episode with a guy who, you know, wanted to be a Navy corpsman. And they said, well, too bad. We don't need you. And so he went and joined the Marines. <laughs> I mean. Good, good for him. Uh, he'll, never, he'll never regret that decision. No, he didn't. He he absolutely, you know, it was the, the craziest story we've ever heard of anybody going through boot camp. I've never heard of somebody getting that much respect going through boot camp. But when they found out he was a corpsman, it, it was it was a different. Oh, yeah. It was a different beast. So you become a DI, or you go to your your DI school. How long is that? DI school is three months. Okay. Yeah. I I gotta ask, what kinds of things? I can only imagine it. It's a lot about the science of breaking people down and building them back up. It's about the procedures. It's about what you can't. I mean, yes, obviously, there's you know what you can and can't do. These are the rules. You you know, there's the the that stuff. But the the methodologies of how drill instructors, you know, oh, if you have a recruit who is like this, here's some of the ways you can motivate them. If you have a recruit who's like this, here is it a lot of that? Um, maybe, maybe towards the end, there's some of the what I guess you'd call tips of the trade, you know, tricks of the mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of procedural things, like a lot of practice. We practice running the deck like they used to. We practice drilling them. We practice doing this, hygiene and them. So it's, it's going through the motion and giving each student that's part of the DI school class uh, enough time to handle their peers and just kind of get used to procedures, you know, as far as in-house procedures and all that. Right. So it is more rules based then. it's and a lot of the the mentorship t- tips of the trade. Those, is that like you said, they covered a little bit at the end, but it's then the rest of it done once you become a DI where other DIs pull you aside and go, listen, this is how you do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like anything else, you get your your formal schooling and then you get to your, you know, your fleet or you get to the the OJT is a little bit different. And I tell right. you, yeah, brain, brain dump all that shit. Well, I mean, there's a lot of SOPs you learn in DI school and those will keep your ass out of the brig. You know, those right. will keep you from getting sent back to the fleet as a corporal. But uh so you want to pay attention to that. A lot of it is just simply stress, man. They are just there to stress the fuck out of us and see 
how we operate when we are soaked in chucks. You know what I mean? We're our service Charlies and we're just broken down how we're going to operate. You know, that's basically what it's for <laughs> to see our capacity. Really? Dude, yeah. Talk a about lot of yelling that. at trees, dude. Yelling at trees. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I don't remember too many times yelling at trees. Um, only because it, it almost is along the lines of being a little too silly, like a little too fucking games. You know, we're not playing those types of games with the students, but we're still we're still messing with them. But we're doing something that's more productive, you know. Um, but there's definitely times where we've done shit like that, where we're getting punished because we're not yelling or sounding off enough or whatever. But honestly, man, I had no issue from the beginning opening my fucking mouth. Like, oh, I, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. It didn't matter, man. You don't strike the, me as that kind of guy. No, to the point it would annoy him because even simple, shallow answers would be at the top of my lungs. <laughs> so what, I, what was your biggest challenge as a DI? Biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, well, let's just say physically. Physically, I, I did. Uh, I was injured for for about a week. I had ITBS syndrome in my right knee. And what that is, is it's like your lydial band just is inflamed and it causes a fuck ton of pain, especially when you run. Mm -hmm. So I had to see I had to you know, talk to the school director and he's a captain and he's like, are you trying to are you trying to you know bow out? and just do it gracefully are you trying to get the fuck out of here no sir i just need i can't pt like i literally can't run i'm not trying to puss out i just need some medical attention so they sent me to the corpsman they gave me a cortisone shot it was like crazy amazing like fixed it instantly like right got off the tables they put me right back into training and then it, i blew it out again like the next pt day so they let me take off friday saturday and sunday from pt and that next monday they gave me another cortisone shot and it was good since then. Like I, it literally lasted probably the the entire time I was in the uh, or the entire rest of the time I was a drill instructor in the Marine Corps. I never had an issue. So um, that I'd say that's the one of the biggest physical challenges. Other than that, I was in pretty decent shape. I'm not the best runner, and mm -hmm. fucking that's all we do is run. So that that's like, oh, Boffman's good at everything other than this. You know, it's like ah ah ah, and then he can't run with the fuck compared to a lot of the other school students. And just drill instructors, and I just, you know, I wasn't that in prime condition. So that I did have to get in shape a little bit. Um, mentally, man, just dealing with another staff sergeant screaming at you when you just want to knock them the fuck out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that, had, I had to get over that shit a lot. I had a lot of belligerency. I had to flush out from being top of my game in the, in the fleet, you know, sure. coming from holding a lot of billets to be basically being a fucking peon. And no, nobody cares what you've done in the fleet. It doesn't matter how many, you know, how, how big your rack is or nothing like that. It doesn't matter. So that I had to get over, but that, that happens pretty quick. Um, yeah, a lot of challenges, but physically and mentally, those are probably two of the bigger ones. Well, I bet, dude. I, I saw that firsthand <clears throat> with a chick when I was in law enforcement, um, when I was going through the academy. She was a mass sergeant in um, the Air Force. And she could not get with the fucking program to save her goddamn life, even in the academy. And then they kind of coddled her in the academy, which I was like, this is going to fucking backfire. This is going to fucking backfire. We went to our division to do probation. And this fucking chick, like, she's a friend of mine, but fuck, dude. I was like, damn, Stephanie, you got to get with the fucking program, dude. You got to play the fuck fuck games. 
she's like, no, I'm not playing fuck fuck games. I did the academy. I was like, yeah, barely. I like you kind of got <laughs> coddled. Like, dude, you got to fucking get through that shit. And she's like, I'm a fucking mass sergeant in the fucking air force. I'm like, no one gives not a fuck, here. dude. You're wow. learning. You're fucking learning, dude. You don't rate shit here. You haven't done shit. You haven't seen shit. You don't know fucking back from forward, forward to back. You don't know any of this shit. You're going to get someone fucking hurt. And then fucking halfway through, she's like, fuck it, took orders, went over to overseas and came back and fucking boof, bounced. Damn. Yeah. Damn. She couldn't, a, she couldn't hack it. For an animal. That's hard. When, when you went to be a DI, you signed up for the fact that nobody gave a shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. When you go to be it's a SEAL, when you go to be a police, you sign up. Nobody gives a shit. You're starting here. It's the same exact thing happened to you on day one of boot camp. And if you can't wrap your head around the fact that boot camp alone doesn't carry credibility into the rest of the world for you all the time. Sometimes you got to start from the fucking bottom and start from scratch and you got to check your ego. Yep. That's the best way to humble yourself on the way up, man. For sure. For sure. I I can tell you, I, I, I've, I still run into people that they don't they they never learn what they don't know if that makes sense like it's it's yeah you know the old expression of you don't know what you don't know till you know it and then you know it so you don't not know it you know kind of a thing yeah well yeah (laughs) you can't not you can't know you didn't oh i knew i didn't know that no you just have to be open to the fact that there's a ton of shit out there you don't know Mm -hmm. and when you when you accept that and when you humble yourself and be like okay I'm getting into a group of people that know what the fuck they're doing. I just need to shut my mouth, open my eyes and ears, and absorb as much as I can. And then take the shit that they dish out because I'm not on their level. Wrap your mind around that and life will be a lot easier for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that happened fairly quickly for us. You know, not only like in the Marine Corps or military in general, but especially the Marine Corps, there's a lot of adherence to the rank structure and there's a lot of, you know, uh, keeping that sacred, if you will, or traditional on the drill drill field that applies, but not as much as your billet that, that that's, that's basically passed on to the billet because you can be like, I'll never forget being a senior drill instructor as a staff sergeant and having gunnery sergeant green belts run onto my deck and stand at the parade restiest parade rest you've ever fucking seen for me because I'm a senior drill instructor me being me, I'm like, hey, gunner sergeant, bro, you need to chill. Like, you don't stand like that for me. I'm a staff sergeant, man. Don't ever forget that. I'd be the one reminding them, hey, don't let don't let some of the shit get to your head like some others have before me. I'm trying to correct it and let you know you you can show me respect without snapping the parade rest like a fucking recruit. You know, right. Right. I'm not that guy. No. Yeah. Neither. Uh, am that's I. a good leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's a good follower. Right? Yeah, that too. It's 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 also a good follower. Learning how to follow is just as much of a skill as learning how to lead. It's just not everybody can be a leader. There's 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 stuff that you have to inherently have in you, but you can teach just about anybody to be a good follower, um, except those that are completely stubborn and hard headed and think they know everything. Right? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Like you're what you're talking about. That gunnery sergeant, he's a fucking gunny because he's obviously a good follower as well as a good leader yeah he knows what's up and so he was showing you respect by not putting you in a position where it was awkward he was just like nope i don't i don't give a fuck if i outrank you you have you know time in grade at the senior di level and so he showed you that respect and you're like no 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 it's not like that 
because you're a good leader. You're like, I'm going to respect my fucking people and the skills they bring to the table. So it's, it's a weird double edged sword. It, it is. I, I'd say it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a sweet spot. You got to be in the zone. Right. So, right. so the example I gave was him addressing me with the respect of my billet. Um, and standing at parade rest, even though he's a gunnery sergeant and I'm a staff sergeant. But if he would not have addressed me as a senior drill instructor, like when we talk to each other in drill field, it's uh, drill instructor, staff sergeant Bachman, how you doing today? That type of thing. So if he would like skip all that, then we'd have to correct that. Like, you know what I'm saying? We keep right, him right, right in the zone to where he's comfortable and we're, we're all good. Nobody's, nobody's butthurt about anything exactly. like that. You know? Right. Yeah. So tell us, I, I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the funniest, craziest things that you've seen as a DI coming through boot camp? This is going to be awesome. I'm, this, these are the well, stories I can't wait for. Man, uh, funniest, craziest. It, okay, whatever well, you want. Like most memorable <clears throat> fucking could be the, yeah. like, did you, what? Okay. yeah, whatever it is. Well, I'll tell you, I'll start with this one. One of the most memorable experiences when actually I was a recruit. And it was on Black Friday. We just met our drill instructors. This kid that was my rack mate all through receiving was literally dumb as fuck. I mean, just a small example of how this guy's brain worked. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget this shit, bro. This guy, they, so we're doing the first piss test in receiving, and they have a poster on the wall that has an example of everything you're doing to include the shape of the bottle, the red the red tape you put across the 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 writing your initials on the lid and all that shit dummy so proof. that you so you yeah dummy proof so you don't fuck it up well sure enough this kid stands up and he's already known as the fuck up right uh, he's the one going going to sleep with toothpaste in his cami bottoms for some fucking reason what yeah like, <laughs> waking up with toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> okay so this kid's this kid's you know pissed in his cup and he's trying to finish the fucking bottle according to the uh um example on the wall and the drill instructor he's a senior in receiving you know they're a little bit nicer not too crazy yet they're not our company drill instructors and he's like all right so fucking nobody fucked this up right and sure enough that kid's fucking hands go up slowly he's like what now what'd you fuck up this this kid wrote the initials from the example on the fucking bottle right <laughs> Oh my God. Rather than his. So I tell you that story to explain his mindset. Anyways, on Black Friday, he got so just crazy from distress. He jumped out of the third deck fucking window, straight up nosedived out of the fucking window and landed in the grass and knocked himself the fuck out. Didn't break anything. He was a big, like a thick Mexican kid, right? (laughs) Just ran towards the window. Barreled through it, knocked himself out. Like open instantly. window or glass shut? Glass shut, bro. Oh, fucking <laughs> dude, he went through the glass. Yes, <laughs> it was a perfect circle through that bitch. It's <laughs> like you Mexican know, shaped. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know the 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 portholes on those buildings are only like they're not they're not thick windows like they're thin slats uh, and all open. Sure, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that was the first day of boot camp for me i was like <laughs> fuck bro really are we into this shit uh, i'll never forget that and actually as a hat i used to take my recruits when we would be on a certain side of the chow hall i'd point to that third deck and i'd tell them that fucking story about that porthole be like that's gonna be you bitches if you don't fucking you know sound off tonight or some shit <laughs> you want to jump out of the window damn right so that's 
that that's the one as a recruit um let's see did he, what was his what was did you ever hear from him why he did it no he, he literally broke like like i said that was one small example of just how fucked up in the head he was right they must have kicked him uh, out Oh yeah, he was gone. RSP, recruit separation platoon. The very next day, uh, it's just funny to see him march over there unscathed, like he's three, <laughs> three stories up, and he's good, bro. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! You can't kill the dumb, dude. Sometimes yeah. you're just too dumb to die. No man. Was he trying to? You think he's trying to kill himself? Yeah, yeah. I think he was so stressed because the littlest things would kill this guy. Like he couldn't keep up with any counts. He couldn't piss fast enough. He couldn't make his rack in the morning fast enough. Like. And I was rack mate, dude. I was stressed from this guy. Like, because I was getting told, hey, you got to fucking help him. You got to help him. You got to help him. You're trash if you don't help him. You got to make sure he's be done before you type mentality. And nope, he didn't last but a day. <laughs> but oh, a day. Dude. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It was crazy. Uh, you know, I heard a similar story from Chris, and I was going through boot camp in Lejeune. Or not Lejeune. I'm um, sorry, Paris Island. And I was in PI, and I was like, dude, I'm waiting for someone oh, to jump shit. out of the fucking second story. And I'm like, dude. Someone gonna fucking jump? Like I kept hearing all this shit of people jumping out of windows. Not one motherfucker from any of our fucking um company jumped out of a fucking window. Now it's kind of a little bit let down. I was like, <laughs> dude, right? Yeah. What happened? That's always that's always a good way to to start things off. And I remember uh, the chief chief drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Stahl, sat us all down. This is F one, bro. This is literally Black Friday. This is. The first day you've met your company drill instructors, we already have the chief sitting our individual platoon down to explain what the fuck just happened. And he used it so perfect. I'll never forget what he said. He's like, you motherfuckers are lucky. Now I got to tell your your drill instructor to to tone it down. Like, <laughs> your, your, your boot camp's going to be fucking easy compared to what it was going to be. You know, <laughs> we're like, shit, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and then he went over and he's like, you need to turn up the pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn it up, turn it up. Exactly. So, when once you finally become a DI, where where did you do most of your time? Did you do all your time as a DI at uh, MCRD San Diego, or did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was there for the whole time. Um, checked in July of 2011, um, and checked out December of 2014. And the entire time as a hat, I was a Lima Company Drill Instructor, Third Battalion. Um, did. Two cycles as a third hat, one cycle as an EDI, three cycles as a, or two cycles as a SDI, and three as a chief drill instructor. And then from there um, was the, the uh, I went to McQuist to teach some water training a little bit. And then I think I went to be the battalion SACO before I got out because I already made the decision to EAS. Okay. So when you, as a, so if you're at uh, MCRD San Diego the whole time, um, what are as a drill instructor not even just as a recruit as a drill instructor what are the kinds of things you would see on a regular basis what are the kinds of that what are the kinds of unbelievable like obviously you're going to have ment you know mental health issues you're going to have kids that wash out you know all that kind of stuff but what are some of those like recruit moments similar to jumping out a window that stick out to you in your mind where you're like are you fucking kidding me i'm actually seeing <laughs> bro there's so many um it, Do you ever okay? Let's start this. Do you ever have any suicides? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. But I, as a senior drill instructor, I had a kid one time. Uh, I came in. It was probably about zero six, so I didn't I didn't wake him up. My hats woke him up. Took him to chow. Got him dressed. And senior comes on deck about zero six hundred. 
get to my duty hut and my Jay's like, Hey senior, we got this kid over here that, that, uh, says he wants to talk to you. He thinks he wants to, he thinks he wants to try to kill himself. So I play the role. I take the campaign cover off. I'm being nice to him, talking to him, trying to see, you know, what the fuck's going on. And like, at one point he rolls up his fucking cami sleeve and he has like little cat scratches on his wrist. Oh. And I start <laughs> I start laughing at his fucking face. Like, okay, <laughs> oh, fuck that. Okay, bitch. Like, if you're gonna do it, goddamn, get the fuck out there and do it. And I kicked him the fuck out. And like he came, <laughs> he came back after getting trashed by the hats for about another 30 minutes. And out of nowhere, he just like changed his mind. He just like, this crew wants to train, sir, because I was I was giving him so much extra heat for not training. He's like, this crew was just rather trained now. Okay. So then he just got back into training. So the, was he trying to show you his hesitation marks and tell you yeah. suicidal and then that didn't work out for him? And so he... It didn't work out. No. That That's usually a pretty solid way to get out of training is if you just think and tell anybody and start telling people you want to hurt yourself or somebody else or a drill instructor. Eventually, that's going to lead to a separation. I mean, there's no fucking around with that. Right. But I, I based on his performance before, like he was a pretty decent recruit, never had any issues, never like seemed like he was too stressed or overwhelmed. And I paid, you know, immense attention to all my recruits. And uh, so I just knew that he was being a bitch, you know, like something happened. You just you got a bad letter from Susie or right. some fucking bullshit. You're right. in here trying to fucking Jody sleeping around. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're trying to get me to side with you. And sure enough, you blow my mind by showing me. What is like paper fucking cuts on your hand? It was his IP scissors for his camis. I told him to give me oh them shits. <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then I had the hats trash him for having IPs on his camis. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't cut him. He's like, yeah, yeah. cut him. No, oh. that's what you get. We had motherfuckers where we were like, well, I want to get the fuck out. And they're like, if you want to get the fuck out and you want to fucking try to kill yourself, do something stupid. They would tell you, like, hey, you might want to fucking do it because if you try to get separated and we send you to that fucking platoon and you want to get out of boot camp and you don't want to do the full three uh, three months, 16 weeks or whatever the fuck, we'll make sure you're here for the next six months and you'll watch your class graduate, the next class oh, graduate. Yeah. And if we can, we'll keep you for the next one. And you'll do all the fucking cleanup, all the working parties, no matter how much you want to get back in there. We will not allow you to fucking finish and we will separate your fucking punk ass and get you the fuck out and dude that worked on a lot of us except for one kid right, <laughs> dude, he, right. in other words you won't be a marine and you won't go home nope yeah exactly. yeah you'll be it's called purgatory <laughs> oh fuck dude so patrick there, oh go yeah. ahead i'd say there's one way off the depot and that's graduation man that's it i mean yeah that should be the only like obviously there's other less there's other ways. ways but we don't want <laughs> like your goal should be graduation that shit yep. you signed up you didn't get drafted nobody get to, ain't nobody been drafted since vietnam nope um how do you how do you feel about them this is this is one of the things that i've always wanted to know i i know from talking to my di from the police academy the the senior lead how he felt about us because he talked to us at graduation was like i'm still a full-time police officer i will see you guys out there i may be rolling back up or you may be rolling to back me up on a call like i wanted you to be people i trusted nine times out of ten 99 times out of 100 999 times out of a thousand i'm sure you never see these guys again right yeah they head off into the marine corps and that's it 
how did how do you feel about the recruits and then do you ever do you ever get follow-up do you ever see him again do you ever like do, is there ever a recruit where you're like well he's gonna be a piece of shit and then you see him graduate and he comes you see him later and you're like oh fuck. like a full circle type of thing yeah yeah i mean it's it's pretty dynamic the way that works so like as far as how i feel about them now let's say after after i've done my job and they've moved on and they're all marines some of them are even eas now um it's a little bit different like at, at first you know when they first graduate i don't accept the fucking uh facebook friend request from your ass right but now now i've gotten to know some of them on a personal level um I've mentored some of them through through social media or emails. I've helped some of them, um, not helped in a lot of ways, but just kind of guided some of them on starting LLCs and doing some business type shit. Um, so I've 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 always I've always wanted to maintain that man, and it's a little bit different than how I felt when I was in, especially let's say as like a brand new drill instructor when uh, everything in my life, every every stressful part of my day is caused by you fucking bitches. <laughs> so it it really like I really I really did hate recruits for a while just just being part of the mentality and being part of the the whole show you start to like hate them because they have way more rights than a drill instructor ever would have you know they're they're coddled compared to how tr- hats are treated and you may not believe that but it's just the absolute truth it's just more brutal for oh, us I believe it um but eventually like as a senior drill instructor um, even starting as a J, cause you spend a lot more time with them, the senior drill instructor, you get to know them on a personal level a lot more. And then a chief, you're kind of like supervising them a lot more and you just, you have a different role completely. I say for sure, man, like I definitely, um, was proud of a lot of them, like seeing what they were when they first started the journey as, as a recruit getting blasted by me at, during this SDI speech. And then standing there next to me in their fucking Marine uniforms, ready to graduate, already being given the, you know, or awarded the Eagle Globe and Anchor from the Crucible. And now they're, it's graduation day. Like, yeah, I'm proud as fuck with them. Like if shit were to go down right now, I'd, I'd throw them all a fucking gun, you know, a weapon and they could all roll with me. I'd, I'd be down with that for sure. So, so you developed kind of a, a, a bond in like a paternal or, an, a you know, Felt like a proud uncle at times. You did actually have an emotional connection with him. Fucking daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy. That's exactly daddy. what I was, bro. Yeah. yeah. True. Straight up, man. Like, <laughs> bring your daddy. I'll daddy. never forget the, the bond that I had with, with my second platoon that I was at SDI. Like, I marched those kids so fucking much, man. And they loved drill. Like, that was our bond. Like, to march my kids was like a goddamn heaven at sometimes, man. I love just singing cadence to them and busting out the fucking moves that they work so hard on. Like, so yeah, I had a, I had an intimate fucking relationship, uh, with the recruits as far as our bond that we fucking made over those three months of turning them from a little shit bag to a goddamn, goddamn killing machine, you know? So Dude. it's, it can be substantial. I got to tell you, what's the turnaround time? Sorry, Chuck, real quick. What's the turnaround time between finishing a class and starting a class? Uh, it usually varies. It's it's the, I think the longest what we call break that we had was uh, six weeks. The shortest was a week. Okay. So you could you could graduate Fuck. Friday and pick up Friday. And it that sucks, boy. Yeah, I can imagine. You, I mean, your body's still smoked like you literally are a noodle. It don't matter. You're not putting on muscle during your break. You're not recuperating. 
Uh, I remember one year, my second cycle after graduation, we had two weeks off. And the first week I couldn't fucking walk because my Achilles heels were so fucked or my Achilles tendons were so swollen from finally being out of dress shoes for once, you know, for a week. <laughs> it just, it was weird. I couldn't walk, dude. It was weird. But just shit like that. Yeah. Not, not too much time really. Yeah, I gotta say, my fucking best bonds were with my kill hat because you got to spend so much time with that motherfucker and he was slaying you. And then with my senior general instructor, and we, as a whole, I would say, we fucking love that man, senior general, senior general instructor, staff sergeant Soto, because he was like, he would come save you, right? And he would build this persona like, I'm your fucking daddy. I'm gonna come save you. We're gonna have some, some fucking powwow bonding time. And then yeah. he would check you every once in a while and fucking slay you and then bring you back and be like, see, don't fuck up. And that dude was fucking awesome. And he gave that exact same speech that you just gave right now. And he would tell us about like rolling through the fucking invasion. And he's like, if shit was to pop off right now, he's like, I pray for war. If this shit was to pop off right now. I would take you motherfuckers right now and hand you a weapon and we would go handle fucking business. And yeah, so yeah. like, I see the passion that you have. I see the passion that he had. And I think that is something that separates all from all different branches. And I think this is what makes the Marine Corps top is because that fucking, that bond and that caring is just, I, I don't know. I've never been in any other branch, but I feel like it's maybe it's just a little bit more. Well, so they go as a whole. coaching to it. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Co like, like it's, it's coaching, but it's, you're coaching every aspect of their existence, you know? Absolutely. And, and so you get to know them intimately, I'm guessing. Yeah, and not, you're trying to set them up for the future, really. Like, right. I don't give a fuck how badass of a recruit you are. I really don't give a shit. I, I just know I need to know that you're going to be a good Marine, and that it's not always the case. Right. I've seen co I've seen company honor honor grads uh, literally uh, pop for cocaine on their ten days leave. Like I've seen shitbag fucking recruits just excel as fuck when they get to the fleet. You know, you you never know, and it's that's really the goal is for them to to carry on the honor and everything as far as being a Marine and earning it daily, you know? Uh, but what Chuck was saying, like, imagine hearing that shit as a recruit being told by your senior drill instructor, this guy that's been smoking your ass for three months, that he would proudly take you with him in combat. There, that, there's so much we could do to motivate them, to get them to perform, you know, for their job and for the, the daily training shit that we have them do. But just like I said, to teach them how to, to be motivated and motivate people for sure. Right. Getting that yeah, to work. swell your chest up here. I mean, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm finally, I'm finally a man. You know, I finally made it. Right. I, the, the, the senior drill instructor said he would go to war with me. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's like when they get their name tapes for the camis, like, yeah. oh, oh, look at me. I'm a, I'm a person now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. If you were to if, if you were to provide advice, anybody because we have people listening that are still making up their mind, and then we have people listening that are going in. Um, if if you were to provide advice, if you were to sit down with somebody and say, "Listen, here are the the few pieces of advice I can offer," because I've had to do this a couple times with people going to the police academy, and I'm curious what advice you would give somebody. It, it doesn't matter how close you are to them or not, just. Anybody who is asking you as a senior drill instructor, what do I need to do? What are the tips and the tricks? How do I survive and thrive in basic? Um, I would definitely start out by saying, scream as loud as you can and run as fast as you can. 
at any point in time. Be as intense as possible, sun up to sundown. And of course, nobody understands what the fuck that means. I mean, even after two, three weeks of training, they still don't get it. We still have to keep murdering them until they understand how we want you to move with absolute fucking speed and intensity. So you could tell people that, but you got to kind of explain what you mean and give them a little example of how they move their feet faster, their hands faster to get something done. And that it sounds simple, but it really will save their ass. Um, definitely, um, definitely studying ahead. Like if you show up to boot camp and you really have no clue, you're going to be more lost than than anybody who's already taken the advantage of you know getting prepared uh, scholastically. Um, just uniform preparation. I remember Matt and I, like I said, his dad was a small arms instructor uh, for the Air National Guard. And Matt and I, as fucking high school um, graduates, before we even were poolies, we could break down an M16 and, and put it back together in under a fucking minute, completely down. And so we were we were instantly made squad leaders because of our weapons knowledge. And we helped every fucking idiot recruit that didn't understand the basic instructions of the drill instructors. And we yeah. reiterated all that shit. And that that saves the drill instructor's voice, period, plain and simple. I don't have to yell as much if I have recruits that understand and I put them to use and I make them teach the recruits while I'm yelling at the other kids in front. You know, um, so just knowing something, whether it's knowing a little bit about Marine Corps history, about the uniform standards, just anything in general and try to excel at that will, will get you noticed um, uh, ahead of peers, if you will. Um, other than that, bro, there's not, you know, you never know. There's not too much you could do to prepare. You could be in, you could be in the best physical shape possible. But then I've also seen, like I, I, I had a recruit one time who was a guide pretty much the whole cycle until I fired his ass. Uh, he, left boot camp in worse shape than he came in because he was a high level college athlete. I believe he's a wrestler. And based on our training hours and the diet that we give him, like he put on weight, he put on like a little bit of fat because he just wasn't moving around as much as he used to. Sure. Uh, so there's that too, you know, like you, you can be over shape for what's required. You'll never really be able to prepare for the stress. Like we're just, we're, we're literally trained to, to get that out of you, to make every situation like tying your fucking laces on your go fasters, make that shit stressful as fuck for you uh, to where you're profusely sweating by the time you're done and you don't even know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> so definitely there's no there's no really planning for that or kind of like preparing for that. You know, I always oh, so I always told people um, as far as police academy goes, I'd say be outstanding, but don't stand out. Right. One way yeah. or another, like you don't stick your head up, <laughs> like be outstanding. Have people every time they look over at you, they're going, That guy's doing outstanding, but you're not drawing their attention every time they turn around. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, like, yeah. I, I would tell people that don't draw attention to yourself if you can avoid it. Just if they happen to look over, be doing the fucking best job possible. Right. For sure. And then I tell them, It's a game. Right. It's a game. The yelling, right. the screaming, the stress, there it's it's being done for a reason. So if you can accept that it's being done for a reason, it makes it a little bit easier to stomach because you can't take it personal. And that's the whole point. You need yeah. to be able to function under stress. You Definitely. need to be able to keep your head while everyone around you is losing theirs. 
And so if you mentally prepare yourself going into a situation saying they're going to yell and scream and they're going to call me a big piece of shit and all that stuff. And I'm okay with that. Like make peace with it. You know what I mean? You, you could for sure see the kids who have never been yelled at. Right. You can for sure see the rich kids. Like they are just mm-hmm. a different breed of, of human, you know? Right. Um, get, getting used to someone being in your bubbles would be a big plus because we're not used to getting screamed at to where we can literally smell this motherfucker's breath. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. You just not, that's never happened to you unless you throw down with somebody or whatever. But. Right. Exactly. They'll remember the smell of fucking Listerine and fucking Newports. <laughs> Sergeant fucking Wilcox. That motherfucker was the black Terminator and he would fucking yell at you <laughs> nose to nose, spitting in your fucking face and your mouth. And you'd just be smelling that fucking fresh, fresh smoked fucking Newport and that Listerine that you'd spray in his mouth. You're like, fuck, God damn, dude. This guy's fucking yeah. crazy. <laughs> I say, if anything, I could say one thing else would be uh, somehow, some way, get used to telling people what to do. That's a that's a big problem for people, man. Like people aren't they they don't know how to be in a leadership situation. They don't know how to direct or just even take control of other people, and it that that comes into play. That's all we want to see. Right. We want to see leadership from the get go. It's cool that you could run fast and do a hundred pull ups, but eventually that guy, like that's the first that's the first guide we pick. Right. Okay. Who's the Who's the best looking buffist doing the most pull ups, running the fastest? Hey, you come here. Oh, oh, hi, sir. And he's dumb as fuck, and he gets right. fired like a week later, right? right? And eventually, eventually, all the leaders come out and they realize, okay, I got to step up, and it's only it's uh, it's up to me to do this. Right. So get used get used to telling people what to do. That'll help you out. And don't be afraid of what you know. Right. Yeah. Like be confident, man. Be confident if. That's the double-edged sword of like, know when you don't know something, right? Yeah. And listen, but when you do know something, be confident in your ability to do it. Don't be a cocky asshole and be like, I got this. (laughs) Sir, I'll take care of it, sir. And then fucking do it and take care of it. Yep. You know, my son, it's funny. My son came to me last night um, and this was probably, you know, when you have those moments as a parent, I don't know, Patrick, if you're a parent, but I know Chuck is, and if it, when you get to this point where maybe you've experienced this with your recruits, even they don't have to come and tell you something. They don't have to come and drop a dime on themselves. They don't have to come to you. Like they've reached a point where they could have, they could have gotten away with it or could have, you know, we didn't notice or whatever. But my son came to me last night and he said, look, this is what, this is what happened. And it, it turned out. Okay. I handled it, this and that and the other thing. But, you know, you can get mad or tell me I had bad judgment if you want. But this is this is how it happened. And this is what happened. And I just felt like I should let you know. And I was like, holy shit, that's a pretty like I didn't I couldn't get mad at him because it was already over and done with. And he'd handled it. He'd handled yeah. business. That's but he had the integrity to come to me and tell me this is how I fucked up and this is how I fixed it. And I just felt like you should know. And being able to have that kind of like you were talking about being confidence in owning your fuck ups. Like that's another thing too. I think you could agree that own your mistakes, like own them. Yeah. If you fuck something up, take the pit, take the fucking ass whoop and take the ass chewing. Just, uh, yep. That's me. I fuck. Yep. Give it all to me. Cause I fucking deserve this shit. And I'm going to, I'm going to make it better. Not going to happen again. Don't be the guy who fucking laughs off a fuck up and then fucks up again. Right. Like you didn't learn nothing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That that type of integrity uh, is what we aim for, and you do see that come around. 
It's not as quick as their volume. It's not as quick as their speed. It's not as quick as their motivation. Uh, recruits are shitbags, man. At first, they're used to doing things at their own pace. Uh, the way the, you know, even though we tell them how to do it and what they need to do, you know, sure as fuck, they didn't wake up in the night and get it done. And now they're getting smoked the next day. So that that's what I call the forging process. Like we are literally taking human beings and molding them into something that is particularly all the same mm-hmm. across the board. And it's got to be a standard. And to get to get people to that point, what you have to put them through is pretty unique. Yeah. You know, like ev- everybody's different. That's the thing. Everybody responds to leadership a different way. We all know this from from being mm-hmm. in, you know, some some guys just need short, sharp commands. Aye, aye, sir. And they fucking they make it happen. Yep. Other guys need to get fucking screamed at and spit on and just smoked <laughs> day and day <laughs> out, nice day and day out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. eventually, but eventually he gets it. You, you got what you what you needed. And, and that'll that'll stick with them. You know what I'm saying? And. We see that. We see that at the end for sure. We look for that. Good. Well, it's been awesome. It's been fun. I I actually have really enjoyed uh, getting all the inside scoop because it's it's you get a lot of questions. You obviously see, you know, DIs portrayed in film and TV. You see documentaries where you know you see military commercials. You see all these things. Everybody knows what a drill instructor, Marine Corps drill instructor, looks like. Everybody's you know most people have seen Full Metal Jacket. You know. Yeah, <laughs> but to actually speak to a drill instructor and get you know your take on how like behind the scenes has been fun. I liked it. Had a good time. Yeah, those are definitely some fond memories, brother. I'm glad I could share those with you guys. Yeah. Now, do you miss it? Oh fuck, dude! Every day, man. That that literally is the one place on this planet I fucking actually belong, dude. It it really is the truth. Like I'm so good at what I did uh, that I need to be there, but my body ain't gonna have that shit. There's no way I could run a deck right now. I'd get crushed. I'd get absolutely goddamn crushed. So, but I wish I could, man. I wish I really could because I did uh, enjoy that thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you a young man fucking it's octagon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly that's the replacement right there. So, where can people see you fight? What's what's the? Well. Uh, Right now, I am injured. I I uh, tore my meniscus in late November last year, so I had to cancel a fight in December, and I just started taking some um, pretty intense injections. So as of a couple days ago, I decided to take a middleweight fight, and I'm lo- I'm shooting for October. Um, that'll be down in Phoenix with Rough MMA. That's who I fought for all of. Uh, well, my last three fights was with Rough. Uh, my first two was with uh, the World Fighting Championships, one in uh, Laughlin and one out of Saboba Casino, California. But the the last three have been all down in Phoenix, Arizona at the Celebrity Theater. So those fights are all on pay-per-view. Um, and then, of course, you can come and watch in person or whatever. Right. Where where can they see him in person? Where's the fights at? Um, the Celebrity Theater. It's down. It's down in Phoenix, Arizona. That's that's who I'm fighting for at the at the current time. Okay, so the, they're the promoter, I guess. Is yeah. Okay. Yep. So they have yes, their sir. own internal system right now, and that you okay. Yeah, they they put on pro fights as well as amateur fights. Yes. Right on. That's cool. And are are you your pro? No, you're nope. amateur. I'm an amateur. Okay. I'm three. I'm three and two right now. Is my amateur record. Um, as far as going pro, I, I'm really looking at mid next year if i continue to heal physically 
and get a couple more wins. Like I said, I'll, I'll be fighting middleweight coming up in October. So uh, I've hit all three weight classes. I'll be a middleweight fight. I've done light heavyweight and I've done heavyweight. So I think my experience is getting a lot, you know, a lot accomplished during these amateur fights where I'm making all my mistakes. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then at that point, it's all about finding people who are willing to pay me to fight. Cause that's the only way I'd go pro. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's the only way you can really is get people to pay you to do it. Right. I mean, you could try, you could try to do UFC and try to do those fight nights in fucking Vegas, but those are just brutal. Yeah. You, you kind of have to be selected, you know, to, to go to that. And I think I would, I would need probably five to five to eight pro fights under my belt is what it looks like the average is. So that's, that's three or four years from now. Cause 2022, I fought three times had to pull out of a fight in July and then tore my meniscus and pulled out of a fight in December. So I was really active for five fights training day in and day out. Sure. I mean, to do five more fights uh, or two more amateur and then five, I mean, that's seven more fights. That's a solid year and a half to two more years. So yeah, I'm only getting older, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> right. I, I got to really pick and choose here what I want to do. <laughs> Your biggest fight is the clock. Yeah, it really is, man. Yeah. It absolutely is. These young yeah. kids don't even understand, dude. If no. you're 21, you better start fighting right now. Get after don't it. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Get wait. Don't wait. So. Well, uh, I know normally we have our um, we have our guests that provide our dedication, but uh, uh, Chuck says you do not have your own dedication, so we are going to provide the dedication for this week. Chuck, who do we have? By the way, uh, we, did try to, we did try to look up to see if we could dedicate our episode to your former drill instructor. Uh, but we can't find any confirmation on what you were saying as far as him having been in law enforcement. Okay. Uh, so maybe, I, we'll, yeah. maybe we'll research that. Or if you can research that, maybe we'll dedicate a future episode to him. If we can get one now. Definitely brother. I, I will definitely take care of that. And I, I did I find kinda... somebody with that name who was in the army, but I'm not going to make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did make the uh, distinction only when I started talking about it. And I truthfully, I don't know anybody personally who was killed in action. So I didn't, I didn't pick anybody to dedicate oh, okay. it to. Yeah. yeah. Totally fine. All right. Real quick, before I do the dedication, Pat, where can they find your business? Oh, yeah. Right yeah. now, best place, we're all over social media. We got an Instagram, we got a Facebook, but our website, if you need to look through our merch or buy or browse any of our firearms, we'll be at aaeamerica.com. That's aaeamerica.com, and that stands for Against All Enemies America. So hit us up. Take a look at our current inventory. We have a live feed of everything that we have in the store uh, as far as firearms on our website. And then, of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email us or call us. And real quick, our number would be 928-444-5778. Okay. Perfect. And you guys are full spectrum. You sell just better. Is it? Do you specialize yeah. in something? We we do specialize in custom ARs. We do a lot of AR builds, uh, gunsmithing, just modifications, whatever, what have you. Um, we sell all types of retail guns, brand new Glocks, you know, Smith and Wessons, Six Hours, whatever you want, as well as the accessories. Um, we do have a lot, a lot of uh, consignments or old guns in stock too. Uh, we're kind of separate from a lot of shops that just carry the modern new stuff. I need a T um, three. What's that? I need a T a T three X. Can we? T3X. I'll, I'll see. I'll see what the digital list looks like. We, we probably get that. No, no problem. Anyway, all right. Go ahead. But, all right. So this week's dedication goes to Arena Preston. Police officer Arena Preston was shot and killed during an attempted robbery at eight one five seven South Blackstone Avenue in Chicago at about 
0140. She had finished her shift and was returning home when armed subjects confronted her, attempting to rob her. She was able to draw her weapon and exchange shots with multiple subjects before being mortally wounded. The subject stole her gun and fled the scene. An officer who was responding to a nearby crash discovered Officer Preston on the ground. The officer rendered aid and transported her to a local hospital in her patrol car, or in a patrol car. Five suspects, including one juvenile, were arrested the following day. Four of the subjects were charged with first-degree murder, armed robbery, arson, burglary, and possession of a stolen motor vehicle. Arson? Officer Preston, yeah, I don't know what that was. Officer Preston had served at the Chicago Police Department for two and a half years and was assigned to the 5th District. She is survived by her mother, father, and twin sibling. She was 24 years of age. Her tour was two years and six months. Badge 15870. Well, rest easy. We've got it from here. Um, It's always... I always get frustrated when I hear suspects taken into custody and charged. (laughs) I really do. I see. Especially in something like that, man. Mm-hmm. I really do. I I, I understand. I get it, but uh, you know, I always prefer hearing the other answer. All right. right. But anyway, we'll keep we'll keep dedicating until there's no more dedications to be had. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Patrick. Man, it's it's awesome to talk to you and, and meet you. And and I know your Chuck's been talking about you for a long time, getting you on. And so we appreciate you coming in. Definitely, man. Thanks again for the invite, guys. I thoroughly appreciate the time and look forward to hopefully again in the in, in the near future for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah Pat. Anytime. Have you come on yeah, and thanks, talk about the fightings? Fights yeah. that you do. And hey, we'll talk about we will talk about uh you know the importance of knowing how to fight and hand to hand combat uh for police oh, yeah. because let me just tell you. Yeah, jujitsu, man, jujitsu. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Chuck, what do you got? Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like today's podcast and the content we provide, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. Our podcast is available on all major podcast streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how podcast platforms decide what to recommend, so your reviews really help us grow the show. Also, please give us a follow on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us, please like and share our post. If you click the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook, you will be able to reach all of our social media sites and our website. Another way to support us is by visiting our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and grabbing some of our merch. We have shirts, patches, stickers, and Wubie hoodies available. If you think you have a story to tell and you want to be a guest on the show, please email your info and a brief description of your story to us at booking.warstories at gmail.com so I can get you booked. We are always looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, Let them know about us and give them our booking email. Again, thank you for the support. Stay safe. Yeah, until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.